Welcome to the Biltmore Church Podcast. Our church exists to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus who reach up, reach in, and reach out. And this podcast is a resource that's hopefully going to help you do just that. This week, we kicked off a brand new teaching series here at Biltmore Church, where for the next four weeks, we're going to be diving in deep to the book of Jonah. It is such a rich text of scripture for us to look at together. And so every Sunday, we're going to be looking at a new chapter in the book of Jonah, all four weeks, all four chapters. And here on the podcast, we're going to continue that conversation as well. Uh, It's going to be a great few weeks. I'm very excited for you to listen in or watch in on today's episode because we had a great conversation about Jonah chapter one. There's so much going on in Jonah chapter one, all different types of themes and application points. And we got into almost all of them on today's conversation. I can't wait for you to hear that. And then also you're going to hear, we're bringing back a new segment, a kind of new segment. We used to do it in the past. We're bringing it back called Context Corner. We're going to give you um, some things to grab onto about the book of Jonah so that when you're reading the book, you kind of know what's going on around it, what's the context around the book. So Context Corner is back today, and we're also bringing you a great God at Work story um, from someone here on our staff. I cannot wait to get into today's episode. So here we go. This is Jonah chapter one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, Go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid for the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeting from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it is pleased. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. 
And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. All right, so quick introductions. My name is Christian Cooper. I serve on staff here, and I'm here today with our lead pastor, Bruce Frank, and also Sierra Delgado, who is our local outreach director. And I think next time you're going to be on the podcast, you will have a different last name. That's hey. correct. This is That's hopefully correct. the last Two time. Two weeks, I'll have a different last Come name. Come on. I'm pumped. <laughs> Come on. Uh, and we are in week one of our new Jonah teaching series. Pastor, you did a great job mm-hmm. last Sunday preaching Jonah 1. We were talking through before we recorded just how much is in just that one chapter. For sure. It is loaded, and you handled it so well. Um, Sierra's journal here is loaded with notes. <laughs> I saw right. so many journals. Bless a pastor's heart by looking at a, looking at a journal full of notes. Um, but there was just so much to cover. We're going to continue to cover it today. One of the reasons we have this podcast is we can keep diving in yep. to some of the things we talk about on Sunday. So maybe we can start with some Sunday recap. I uh, would love to hear from both of you what stood out from last weekend. Yep. Ladies first, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, I think that the biggest thing for me is the the older I, I get and the more I'm able to read scripture on my own as an adult, ne- not necessarily tethered to, you know, backpacking off of my family's faith, um, I, I've realized that I just have a very legalistic heart naturally. Mm-hmm. And my tendency is to fall straight into that condemnation um, trap that you talked about on Sunday. That's very general, but very Mm. consuming. Um, And so one of the first things that you said in the message um, that I wrote down was that the the Lord doesn't pay us back, but he brings us back. Mm. And I think that's something that my worker bee tendencies, (laughs) I'm very competitive and goal oriented. I feel that when I feel I've drifted from the Lord, I then have to earn my way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not the case. There's like so much freedom in knowing that the Lord doesn't ever pay us back because the wrath of God has been fully satisfied in yeah. Christ. And the more I'm able to just really rest and meditate on that, I feel that um, I've, I've grown in my understanding of God's compassion for his people. Yeah. Um, and so that was a huge takeaway because there's definitely plenty that the Lord could have paid Jonah back for. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> um, because he was, you know, blatantly disobedient. But I think that was something that was very, very encouraging to my heart, um, mm-hmm. a good reminder of the gospel. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and, you, and you'll see kind of how that also works itself out in Jonah 2. And Jonah 2 is sort of the unique, uh, most unique of the three, four chapters, but because it is, you know, it's basically is crying out to God. Mm-hmm. And so it's the result of what, ha- you know, the way that mm-hmm. God dealt with him in chapter one. So, um, but anyway, tons of stuff we were talking about before the podcast. There's so many, like many, many themes mm-hmm. of chapter one uh, from, you know, the fact that the Lord actually spoke to uh, the prophet, just like he speaks to us today, just like, but in the, in the same way, yeah. he, did, he still speaks to his people to, um, you know, he pursues him, which is so unique in just in religious world that there's a God who will pursue his reluctant prophet. Uh, the part that pains you so much that is when the pagans actually are looking at the believer, like, what are you doing? I mean, why, why are you doing this? Uh, and I've just seen that a, a time or two where you're not a time or two, I've seen it both in the mirror, but also just pastoring for a while when when somebody really drifts from the Lord, especially somebody that used to be like really strong or a leader or shared their faith or any of those things. And then it's it's the pagans are like, 
no, we act like this. You don't act like this. What do you, you know, you're the one that helped whatever it is. You're the one that shared the gospel with us. You're the one that disciple us. You're the one that reached out to you. We, we expect us to be in this situation. We don't expect you to be in this situation. Right. And so when the pagans were actually more in tune with God than the preacher was in Jonah, that was, um, you know, one of those things that uh, is, is, I mean, it breaks your heart. Yeah. Um, but then also the way God so gently, not gently all the time, but so purposefully disciplined him. And mm-hmm. I love Hebrews 12 uh, because yeah. it is such a, that pastor, one of my favorite ones to preach because of the way he turns up the heat. And it reminds me again, I had a, I had a, didn't have a believing dad, but I had a good dad and a guy that, uh, you know, a person I learned a lot from mm-hmm. uh, in one of those ways is, you know, he would turn up the heat if, if he didn't get the attention with the raised eyebrow or the, <clears throat> you know, cl- clearing his voice, <laughs> if that didn't work, then the next thing would happen and God, and, God, and God does the same thing. He would rather, hey, Bruce, you need to go over here. Mm-hmm. But if that doesn't work, voice gets raised and then so forth and so on. So, yeah, And if good. I forget about Bruce Wilkinson's got a great little book called uh, Secrets of the Vine. Okay, mm-hmm. It's really out of John 15, but he's got a couple of chapters in there about the way the Lord disciplines us and that good breakdown of Hebrews 12 if somebody's looking. It's only about 60 pages, so it's a oh, good little book. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great recommendation. Again, make sure you go back if you didn't uh, join us at a campus last Sunday and watch the message. Uh, this journey is going to be incredible. And you want to start off in, in Jonah chapter one to understand the rest of the book. So make sure you check that out. Um, some great takeaways from both of y'all right there. So as you know, we're in the book of Jonah as a church for the next four weeks. And to help you better read and understand the book of Jonah and really better understand the Bible, including that book, we're bringing back Context Corner where we're gonna be exploring some of the design, some of the themes, some of the organization of the Bible. And hopefully it's gonna help you in your own Bible study. As we say often here at our church, the whole Bible points to Jesus. It's one big unified story that's heading in one direction. And that's the central truth that we should bring to our Bible reading when we sit down every single morning with Jesus. Um, But knowing what the Bible is about doesn't always answer our questions about specific parts of the Bible, especially those parts of the Bible that can be really difficult to understand for modern readers like us. And so today I'm gonna do a quick flyby of the structure of the Old Testament that's hopefully gonna help you better understand the book of Jonah. So the Bible in many ways is more of a collection of books than one single book. In fact, it's a collection of 66 books to be exact. Uh, And it was written over hundreds and hundreds of years, more than 30 different authors written in various languages, all under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But it can be a lot to take in, especially if you're new to reading the Bible. That said, if you open your Bible, you're gonna see two main sections. You're gonna see the Old Testament and you're gonna see the New Testament. Now the New Testament tells the story of Jesus and his church. It takes up about the last 25% of your Bible if you're just flipping it open and looking for it. The first 75% is what's called the Old Testament. It is much larger. It's a collection of like 39 different books uh, written mostly in ancient Hebrew over a period of about 2000 years. It covers all the biblical events leading up to the birth of Jesus. So today, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna focus on the Old Testament. One important thing to note is that the Old Testament is not organized chronologically. It's not an order of when things happen, and that can be really confusing, especially when we're just starting to read the Bible. It's organized instead by literary style. There's three main styles in the Old Testament, okay? There's historical books, there's poetic books, and then there's prophetic books. 
So the first 17 books of your Bible are historic. In other words, they're narrative. They're telling a story. Then after that, you have five books of poetry. Uh, They include things like songs or poems or collections of wisdom. And then the final 17 books are prophetic books. They record God's message through various prophets. And Jonah is one of these books. Jonah was a prophet. We're going to talk about that even more in just a couple of weeks. So to summarize, you've got the Old Testament, 17 books are historical, then you've got five poetical books, then you've got 17 prophetical books. And sometimes you're going to see bits of poetry and historical books uh, and vice versa. It's all kind of mixed in together, but this is in general a helpful framework for understanding the structure of the Old Testament. Now, this can seem a little overwhelming, right? It's a lot to take in. It's a lot of information, but understanding the structure of the Bible is going to take time and that is okay. It's okay that it's going to take us some time to wrap our heads around. Part of the genius of the Bible is that it invites you to keep reading and to keep reading and to keep reading to better understand each part in light of the whole story. In fact, in Psalm chapter one, we read about the ideal Bible reader. It says it's someone who meditates on the scriptures day and night. In Hebrew, the word meditate means literally to mutter or to speak quietly. So the idea here is that every day for the rest of your life, you're going to slowly read and apply the Bible. And as you do that, something remarkable is going to happen. The Bible is going to start reading you. So once again, context is always helpful. That is a quick primer on the Old Testament. Hopefully zooming out like this is going to better inform your reading and understanding of the Bible. So one thing that you established yesterday um, about Jonah is that it's not primarily a story about Jonah. It's a story about God, mm-hmm. first and foremost. So maybe a great place to start our discussion today would be asking, what are some of the truths that Jonah 1 teaches us about the character of God mm-hmm. before the character of Jonah? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the fact that he comes after you, mm-hmm. that is amazing. Um, I mean, that's not just soteriology about salvation, but the fact that even if you're in Christ, how he's still, uh, the, the part that resonated with me the most is, I mean, why did he go after him? I mean, why? Uh, why did he go after him? Why, why the fish? He could have gotten, there were other prophets in that day that were going, you know, depending on how you kind of date everything, but if it's 800 to 750 BC or so, you know, you had other, he could have gone, if he just simply wanted to use a person to get the message to Nineveh, yeah. there were other people he could have done. And so the reminder, and I can't remember who I heard it or read it from, is like more or before we are tools in the hand of God, we're sons and daughters mm-hmm. in the family of God. And that father, you know, it goes back to, I think it's Packer that says that your ability to understand the fatherhood of God shows your understanding of the gospel itself. Yeah. And uh, and that's a big obstacle for a lot of people, especially if they had, you know, a bunch of father wounds or, you know, father that abandoned them or was short-tempered or whatever. And so, uh, again, the long-suffering uh, also, the the long-suffering of God, you'll see that uh, even with even the way he comes back to him in chapter 2. But... This, I mean, God's patient with us. And I would go, you know, it's here and I were talking about, I can't remember if it was before we came on air or not, but uh, just the tendency to be legalistic, not just with other people, but with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that condemnation, when we've talked about that numerous times before, but mm-hmm. it's so easy to drift into trying to earn your way back to God. And it's like, you know, people think you can't, you can't disappoint God technically because to, te- to disappoint somebody, you have to... Uh, they have to have an expectation on you 
that they are then surprised by what their experience is. So in other words, to be disappointed, you have to have expectations and then the experience doesn't meet the expectations. But God knowing everything before it ever happens, there's nothing that he's up there like, I never, you know, I never saw that. I never (laughs) saw him doing that. I mean, he already knew that was happening. And so that, all those things about how, again, God's, again, it goes back to the, he's a good, good father. Mm -hmm. And that's a, you just have to return to that. I have to return to that all the time. Mm -hmm. Over and over. Yeah, that's good. I think I was reminded, as you talked about this Sunday, how the Lord always brings us back um, and also seeks us out. I mean, literally from the moment of the fall, you know, Adam Mm. and Eve realized, oh my gosh, we need clothes. They ran off, found the fig leaves and hid from the Lord. um, And he goes and looks for them. And I think Mm. you've talked about maybe playing hide and go seek with your granddaughter before where she'll like hide behind a curtain and very clearly like you could see her feet, (laughs) you know, and she's like really thinking she's hiding, but you're like, you know, where, where is, um, Elsie? And I think it's very similar with ourselves. We try to hide from, hide from the Lord, but he's omnipotent. He's omnipotent. You know, he knows he's sovereign and yet he still, he loves us in our humanity. And I think that's something that is a constant place of comfort for me of, Mm -hmm. wow, like the Lord, he does pursue his people so much so that he sent his only son to die for us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that what's really sweet is there's always a conversation between the person who ran from the Lord Mm -hmm. in the Lord. There's not that like, you know, hell and brimstone that is very typical. If you, if you grew up in church, oftentimes that's the mentality that you have. But as I've read the scriptures for myself, I'm like, it's actually quite the opposite Mm -hmm. because when Adam and Eve sinned, he came, he found them. And the first question he asked them was who told you that Mm -hmm. and gave them the opportunity Mm -hmm. to respond. And he does the same with Jonah. There is conversation between them both. Um, And I think that there's a certain level of, he is a good father because he allows for us to respond to him and, um, oftentimes he allows us to come to terms with our sin on our own yeah. in a way that mm-hmm. our failures actually mm-hmm. allow us to recognize our weaknesses, but because of that, the magnitude of God's power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's something that as, as I've read scripture more and more, I see that the Lord is very patient with us oh, yeah. in the way that he responds <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in our stupidity, really. Um, mm-hmm. And we can look back and, and see different stages of life um, and I heard Tim Keller, this is kind of off topic, but I heard Tim, Tim Keller say once that you like look back at yourself when you were, you know, 15 and you're like, man, I was such an idiot. I was such a jerk. And then you look back at yourself when you were 20 and you're like, oh man, I was such a jerk. I was such an idiot. <laughs> and one day I'll look back at myself as a 26 year old or a 40 year old, 50 year old. And, and so there's just this constant cycle of yeah. growing mm-hmm. in holiness that the Lord is, is patient with us mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. his sons and daughters yeah. um, before we are tools right. in, mm-hmm. in his tool belt. Well, and you know, God, you know, the Bible says God's essence is love. He has wrath, mm-hmm. but it, the essence is, is love. And so even in his wrath, it's that long tempered, long suffering, mm-hmm patient, you know, and you even look at Jonah one and there were so many times where Jonah had to make choices where sometimes the story is not clear that God's like, all right, another moment of decision, another moment of decision. But you look at so many chances that would be, okay, this is the time you don't have to go down this path. You don't have to go down this path. Everything from, I mean, it took him a long time to get to Joppa, took him a long Mm -hmm. time. Then he's on this boat. And then you start to see the pagans recognize. And somewhere in there, you know, there's been a conversation this year said, because he's like, listen, I already know. I know that this storm is because of me, yeah. you know, so it's not like he, it's not like it wasn't something he uh, did in ignorance. He, yeah. he knew a hundred percent what was going on and continued to go there. And so that's again, where God is so gracious mm-hmm. in spite of 
I am making a definitive choice to, you mm-hmm. know, to run away. Mm-hmm. And again, we've all done that. And when you study Nineveh, you kind of like, hey, listen, this was not an easy assignment. This was not, uh, you know, hey, go visit your compassion child in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's awesome, but it's not hard. It's not a difficult mm-hmm. thing to do. Mm-hmm. But going to, in a sense, your arch enemy, mm-hmm. um, would, it would be hard. I mean, I, to me, again, I, I, you know, I, I used Hitler and a Jewish rabbi, but I would say it'd be like Israel and Hamas right now. Yeah. You, know, you see what Hamas comes over, does that too. And you want me to go share the gospel? And that's yeah. why you only had two things. Either number one, I'm going to be dead if they don't repent, or if they do repent, God's going to show mercy, and I don't want him to show don't mercy on my enemy. Yeah. And so it's not an easy thing. So you, mm. you kind of feel for Jonah a little bit, and if you're honest, like the Jewish people say on, on Yom Kippur, they're like, I am Jonah. Mm. I am Jonah. And if you really want to dig in deeper, we are Nineveh. <laughs> mm. We're Nineveh because wow. you know, what Nineveh did to, to, you know, to Jonah, I mean, we've done, maybe not in the way we look at it, but our sin was yeah. so bad it put Jesus on a cross. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of look at it in like three different frames. Wow, that's really interesting. I do think, too, that the fact that the Lord allows us to get to the end of ourselves mm-hmm. is a huge huge amount of grace, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. So Jonah in his wise little mind thought, this is what's best for me. And so the Lord, the Lord in his mercy mm-hmm. allows us to explore that so that <laughs> essentially we prove ourselves wrong. Yeah. Um, and I've found that to be true again and again in my life mm-hmm. when I think, no, this is what's really best for me. And I recognize, wow, when I make decisions according to what I think is best to my self-truth, yeah. It, it usually ends mm-hmm. up with me getting hurt or there being, you know, something that the consequences essentially. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's another aspect of the book of Jonah that I think oftentimes can get overlooked is yeah, the fact that sure. the Lord was gracious to Jonah in the fact that he let him do what he wanted to do yeah. and allowed him to see that at the yeah. end of himself was mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the most common miss. I mean, top three things that people think the Bible teaches that it doesn't teach. You know, some people, uh, Bible teaches follow your heart. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. Mm-hmm. So the heart is deceitfully wicked. But it also, probably number one is, and I might give away an introduction this week, but it's basically, <laughs> you know, people saying, well, God will never put on you more than you can handle. Hmm. Well, where is that in the Bible? Yeah. That's nowhere. Yeah, the joke. opposite is true. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you can't even get saved unless you know that true in a mm-hmm. macro sense. Mm-hmm. You have to know, I got to have somebody do for me what I cannot do for myself. Yeah. But even in the case of most people, it's kind of a misinterpretation of the First Corinthians ten thirteen that says, God, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Mm-hmm. But that's not talking about God will not just let you either come to the end of yourself, you know, because God's kind of justice and discipline can either be passive, as Sarah was talking about. I'm just, you want to go that way? Go yeah. that way. And there's like built in consequences and the way that God put the earth together and put it, you're going to have some consequences. Or it's active, which yeah. is more in Jonah. It was kind of both and with Jonah, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. most of it was his active. It's like, all right, I'm gonna. I appointed the storm. I mm-hmm. appointed. You know, everybody obeys the Lord in the story. Even a plant in chapter four, everybody <laughs> obeys except the prophet. Yeah, yeah. Even the cows at the end. Everybody of the story. does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even the cows repent. Yeah, it's crazy. And, uh, yeah, pagans repent. Everybody repents. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought it was really cool how um, just in the first few verses you see like literally what's happening matches what's going on in Jonah's spirit. So it mm-hmm. says, I think. Um, he went down to Joppa, which is a weird way to say that. And mm-hmm. then it says, like, he gets on the ship and he went down into the ship. Yeah, everything's and then down. He goes down into the mm-hmm. lower yeah. part. He no. goes down into the ocean. So, going back to your yeah, point of, never that. he has to be 
at, you know, rock bottom sounds a little cliche and cheesy, yeah. but that's really what no, what is being illustrated. Fish bottom, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I tell you one thing, just a little side note. If you do, there's not a whole lot of other stuff mentioned about Jonah. I mean, Jesus mentions it, but as far as Old Testament, but there is one, oh, like First Kings, can't even remember what chapter, but it gives you a little bit of idea about Jonah. Jonah was a prophet, mm-hmm. had done a lot of good things, but Jonah was loved his country. Mm-hmm. And you see that when he was serving, he loved the expansion of his country. And so this guy was, he just, he loved his country. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that he's like, I'm going to have you go to your country's enemy Mm -hmm. to, to, to basically share my message, which again, and like, wow, that is a hard deal, but it was getting him out of his, listen, you are a prophet before you're a citizen of this country. I think it's interesting to, to go to your point that he's, he's kind of pulling out that idolatry at the root. And God For often sure. does that. And if there's an idol in our hearts, he's yeah. good enough mm-hmm. to point us in directions and send us places that are going to rip that out from the root. For sure. Uh, which yep. is painful. Well, and you see this, you see in some ways the defining verse in chapter two, I want to say it's like verse seven, and he talks about idolatry. And it's right at the halfway point of the book. Mm-hmm. I think there's 23 verses before it and 24 afterwards or vice versa. Mm-hmm. But right there, he's like, man, these idols... These idols have been so vain, they're empty. Mm. Um, as he's, he's basically, chapter two is him getting right with the Lord. Wow. But it, uh, it sounds like a psalm. Chapter two sounds like a psalm. And if you want, you know, ch- the psalms this past summer, I learned a ton. I had not spent that much time preaching through the psalms ever. Yeah. And, um, but it's, chapter two sounds like a psalm. He's like, I cried out in my distress yeah. to the Lord. That's the mm. way he starts off. That's the way a lot of psalms start off. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So one thing that you said yesterday um, is when you run from God, there's always a ship waiting to take you in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to kind of dig into that a little bit and ask for people who are listening and watching who they just know they're running from God right now. You know, often we do know mm-hmm. um, when we're running from God in an area. How would you encourage them mm-hmm. based on Jonah's story? Yeah, I mean, I think the bigger thing is you you you, you haven't been gone too long. You haven't done too much. Uh, you can't outsend the grace of God. You can't outsend the cross. Yeah. A lot of the comments yesterday were about the believer and the way that God pursues the believer, but the same thing can be true in somewhat of a different way. But listen, God is pursuing you. He loves you. He mm-hmm. wants you to repent mm-hmm. and come to Christ. And so either one, the context, obviously with Jonah, Jonah's a follower of the Lord. He fears the Lord. So he's a, he's a Christian way we talk about it. And he pursued him. So I would say what we talked about yesterday is sometimes either our conscience, and this week we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what the Bible talks about our conscience mm-hmm. and how that can, you know, can be healthy. Uh, it can be an unhealthy conscience. But a lot of times when we run from God long enough, even a believer, our conscience, the Bible says it can get seared mm-hmm. and it's like a callus and all of a sudden stuff does. And then it's either we don't think, I think we do. I think a believer, you're always, I mean, there's that sense of the the Lord is, you're hearing it. it does, the voice can get very faint though mm-hmm. as your spirit gets more and more callous. So the further you are from the Lord, I think I, what I would say is, listen, you haven't gone too far yeah. uh, to come back, but God loves you and he is going to pursue you. And sometimes his pursuit is, I mean, the way tip, if you just look at all, all of us, if we look back, it's like, how? Do, what are the biggest learning times? What are those moments where it's a lot of times it's God having to drop a boulder on our life. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. boulder looks a lot different in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say the, the Tarshish comment was, was people typically talk about, I knew the Lord wanted me to do this because it, you know, it's usually an open door or this happened or the circumstances worked out or she was right there or right when my marriage was struggling, I get this Facebook friend request from my old high school sweetheart. I know God wants me to be happy. And, and it was so easy and so natural and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And my, the point was, listen, God does open doors. Your enemy opens doors too. Mm. 
And so he goes down there. It would have been easy for him. And a lot of believers would say, I mean, I went down to Joppa. It's amazing. There was a ship right there ready <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah. It has to be God's will. Well, no, yeah. it wasn't God's will. That was a, and so that happens every time, mm. whether it be, again, trying to make, you know, digging in and doing the hard work of your marriage, whether that be making a decision like, all right, we're going to start obeying God with a minimum of a tithe. Mm. You know, it's not like, uh, it's not like as you take steps as a follower, the enemy's like, oh, well, man, that's awesome. No, every time something breaks. If you're like, I'm going to honor God with my finances, I promise you, the first thing that's going to happen is your water heater's going to go yep, out yep. or there's going to be a great sale come up on your Instagram feed about something you cannot live without. Yep, right. um, or if it's about forgiving somebody and you like put that off. Because mm. um, here's the thing. Christians struggle with intention and direction. We have the best of intentions. People leave church every Sunday. I got an intention to do this. I have an intention. That's why we actually have changed our response culture because there's something to be said. I'm going to respond to the gospel right there. Right now. Mm -hmm. But yeah. there's some things, if I put it off, I mean, I can't tell you how many times. I've done this before too, but you know, it's like, I need to call my mom or I need to do this or I need to do that. And if I know somebody, I'll see them a month later. It's like, how'd that conversation go? Well, you know, I'm still praying about it. Like, you don't need to pray about some of this stuff. You, <laughs> you already prayed about it. God spoke to you, told you to do mm -hmm. this. And so intent intent is is not doesn't intent's yeah. not worth anything yeah it's a decent start but it's uh you can intend to do a lot of things but it's what direction are you going right now mm -hmm. so the point again was the way people say god spoke to me because of the open door or peace i mean jonah's yeah. asleep in the boat yeah he had a lot of peace a lot of peace <laughs> um and that goes back to that point his conscience has gotten seared yeah and usually god's got a really uh, uh you know to get us to chapter two where i cry out to the lord mm -hmm. there's got to be some I mean, I'll share a little bit about sabbatical stuff. There was some stuff. I didn't, fortunately, there wasn't a boulder dropped on me, but there yeah. was some crystallization of stuff that, mm. honestly, God was very patiently trying to show me that I kind of knew, but I really wasn't living in. Mm. I was like, you know, I kind of knew. I, mean, I can preach it, and I can do all that, but I was like, desperation. I mean, I, I think you were doing the deal with Crawford. Weren't you, did, you do the, did you do the podcast? I, did, yeah. I think you, you either brought it up or Crawford brought it up, but it stuck with me is that God loves to be dependent on. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he said it in the message when he was mm -hmm. here or if he yeah, said it in the podcast so. or you just paraphrased him, but yeah. I was like, I mean, that stuck with me is he mm -hmm. loves to be, he loves to be dependent on. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I, you know, I think back to moments in my life working through, I always say I'm a recovering legalist, right? Mm. Um, I've recognized that there's a difference between obedience and submission. Mm. And you, you can't be submitted without being obedient, but you certainly can be obedient without being fully submitted. Wow. Because <laughs> if you're sure. submitted, that means that your heart is in line with the Lord. Mm. And so yeah. your submission comes as an overflow from your obedience because your heart is overflowing mm -hmm. with a desire to be fully committed to mm -hmm. your relationship with the Lord and submit to his will. So like yeah. you're saying, people spend so much time praying about God's will. What's his will? So just do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to pray about yeah. being obedient mm -hmm. because he's already told you this is what you ought to do. Mm -hmm. And we make it way more complicated than it needs yeah. to be. Um, and a lot of it's rooted in we don't trust that God is good. That's right. 100%. Yeah, we don't trust that what he has told us is good is good for me too. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that obedience can come from knowledge and it can come from your credentials. Jonah was a prophet, you know what I yeah. mean? He, yeah. I mean, he had all of the credentials yeah. that he could religiously follow the Lord, right. but he was not fully submitted to the Lord. And so I think to the person who is struggling with, man, I feel like I've ran too far or I am struggling with this currently, mm -hmm. one, well, 
the Lord saves. And that salvation, if you are in Christ, is eternal. And it cannot be ripped away depending Mm -hmm. on your circumstances or your decisions. Um, But as I was preparing for today, I came across, I went back and read Romans um, 5 through 7. And Romans 6, 17 stuck out to me. It says, thanks be to God that you who were once a slave to sin have become obedient Mm -hmm. from the heart. And so what you were once a slave to no longer has any power to you, not because of something that you have done, in the midst of your salvation. Your faith is not in your faith. Your faith is in the power of Christ. And so as you are struggling to battle with this sin, this is not something that it's dependent upon your own spiritual muscles, right? Right. It's like a work of the spirit. The Mm. the fruit of self-control and self-discipline comes from the spirit. It's not something that's within us. So I think a lot of times when you get stuck in sin cycles, you're just like looking within yourself of like, I've got to be better. I've got to change this. I've Mm. got to stop saying this. But yeah, you can't because you keep saying that like yeah. you were saying and mm. it's it's impossible. We do not have it within our nature is sinful. Mm. So to continue to look within our nature rather than outside of that in the spirit of God, yeah. it's it's futile, you yeah. know? Um, and so I think that this verse really stuck out to me because it says you have become obedient mm-hmm. and it's something that it's like a light switch. You mm-hmm. know, there is a, there is a choice to obey, but there's also a choice to submit fully. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, the Lord has allowed that to happen from the heart. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, to the person who's struggling, you know, it's it's never too late and the best time is now, yeah. you know. And I think that there's a lot of over-spiritualization around things that are very tangible. So, like, man, if you're struggling with, with the lust of the eyes or something like that, like, okay, maybe you should probably not watch some of the TV shows you watch. Sure. It's just right. as simple as that, right? right? Or I really struggle um, for a long time with the amount of time I was spending on social media and coveting. I wanted to change this in my house or (laughs) was looking to be in different stages of life. So I just straight up deleted Instagram. I no longer have it. I completely deactivated it. Um, I heard a pastor say some can and others can't. And it's okay if you fall into that category, but it's a matter of self-awareness. And so like, yeah, I I try my very hardest to not watch movies that are R-rated because it's just True. not helpful right. to me. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I don't keep social media on my phone. I have screen locks, and there's just very tangible ways, yeah. you know. Sometimes we're yeah, 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 yeah. We're just praying and praying that the Lord would take it away, and it's uh-huh. like, well, sometimes you know, the Lord has given you the beautiful gift of just common sense. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I love what you're talking about, that Romans passage, the from the heart. And I think mm-hmm. of about, you know, she made a great distinction between uh, surrender or submission mm-hmm. and obedience. And again, um, I think y'all haven't had kids. You you notice that quick. I mean, you, there's times you enforce obedience and uh, you were talking about hide and seek. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't done that with Elsie, but I've done it with, so I'm sure T. Frank would love to realize that he was also one of, he was, the, that's why I played hide and seek with yeah. when he was a kid and he was terrible at it because um, you could find him all the time. But, you know, there's a time when you're like, hey, whatever, make your bed or uh, do something. And you can tell, I think somebody said to talk about, okay, or sit down, sit down at the table. And it's like, I'm sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. Mm. And when you talk about the kind of obedience that Jesus is looking for is from the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, you know what? I do this because he loves me. He knows what's best. 
it's an overflow. That it'd be the same way. I mean, that's repeated over and over again. Even like generosity, he's like, I want you to be a cheerful giver. In other words, God doesn't need our money. He's like, I want yeah. it cheerful. Means I, that's going to be from the heart, that's enthusiastic. Right. I get to do this because look at the generosity God's shown me. Yeah. So that's one one of the things we talk about in our church all the time. And you know, again, if you're recovering legalist like the two of us, you have to repeat it. The motivation, the model, but the motivation has mm-hmm. got to come back to the gospel yeah. right. for service, for generosity, for uh, virtually a whole. Holiness, any of that has to go back to uh, the gospel. Otherwise, it's real. Like, th- discipline is good. Sometimes you have to have some discipline. Like, like she was saying, she had the discipline to take off something that she knew was not good for her soul. That just took discipline. I mean, you talk, I think we talked about it last week, how getting in the Word, people say, well, what if I don't feel like reading the Bible? Well, then you discipline yourself to do it and let God bring the feelings along. Mm-hmm. I mean, David talked about, you know, initially discipline, but then it became delight. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway... A lot of Jonah's a. There's so much there. Yeah, we are Jonah. Well, if you look at the book too, you've got an example of you have people running. We often think, hey, when people are running from God, it's kind of like the Ninevites, kind of doing their own thing. You can also run from God by being too religious. Mm. For sure. And that's Jonah's story. It's Jonah's story. It's the Big Brother story. Mm. In yeah. the prodigal son too. There's mm-hmm. so much overlap there. There's At a some lot, point yeah. we're going to talk. Jonah about Jonah is like the Old Testament picture of the prodigal, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, prodigal like son. It, it, yeah, yeah. Like it's the first two chapters. Yeah, first <laughs> so two chapters good. he's one, and last two chapters he's the other. Really, mm-hmm. chapter chapter four he is the older brother. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Hey, I'm Kelvin. The most important decision that I made in my life was the decision to receive Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. In God's sovereignty, He ordained for me to be born into a Christian home where early on I learned about the love of God. Uh, I learned about the the cross, that Jesus died for my sins and that God brought Him back from the grave. And so at about the age of six, under the spiritual leadership of my parents, uh, I admitted my sinfulness and I received God's gracious gift of salvation. That day I claimed Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One of the pathways to victory in my Christian life through the years has been not just remembering the decision I made in my childhood, but actually confessing daily my unwavering trust and faith in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. There have been times when the enemy has tried to fill my mind and heart with with doubts of salvation. And it's in those times that God has given me a verse, Isaiah 43, one, I just confess it out loud, fear not, I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. By God's amazing grace, I'm trusting Christ alone for my salvation. Okay, so uh, maybe uh, a great way to wrap this up. I want to go back to something that, Sierra, you said in the very beginning, um, and Pastor, you said it in your message on Sunday as well, is that God's not looking to pay us back. He's trying to bring us back. So it seems like this is the reality. This is the truth that we've got to hold on to really tightly if we're going to follow Jesus well. So... How do we get that truth, that idea, practically into our souls as much as we can mm. um, and live that out? Mm. Yeah, that's good. I would just add, there's a couple of verses that we repeat on purpose here all the time. Mm. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, 21, we repeat all the time. Obviously, Romans 8, 1, because there are, there are lies that and patterns of thinking. Mm-hmm. Nothing else in this whole world works on grace. Mm. Nothing. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing. So everything is rewarded based on performance. So if you don't do something to 
get truth in there, you're going to drift. It's, it's like the drift. It's, if you're at the beach, you know, if you don't do anything, you look and you're like, all of a sudden, you're four hotels down. Yeah. It just took you there. <laughs> yeah. In the same way, at least mm. whether you're a recovering legalist or you're naturally a super graceful person, either way, um, I mean, you will drift that direction. Uh, who was it? Uh, was it Luther or Calvin or somebody's like, we are hardwired for works righteousness. Yeah. I mean, we're just, that's just the way we're built. I'm going to got to work my way back to it. And so going back to the fact of what Jesus has done on the cross, there is not condemnation that he became sin for me. So that's what's left for me is the righteousness of God. Again, I don't know any other way besides continual. I don't think you ever graduate from that. No. You have to continually pour into that because the default is the other one. Mm-hmm. That's great. I think something that's really important is, especially in American culture, we're so self-focused, mm-hmm. whereas other cultures are very communal. Um, you think about it like if someone were to knock on your door randomly, you'd be like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Why? Everyone hide, you know? <laughs> um, whereas in other countries, that's like the most normal yep. thing ever. It's open door policy, right? And so I think something that's really helpful is to remember that I heard someone say once that the gospel came to you on the way to someone else. Mm -hmm. And so one of the best ways to continue growing in your understanding of the gospel is by sharing it Mm -hmm. and recognizing the fact that it's just not about you. It's Mm -hmm. about the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the the greatest missionary in the book of Jonah is God. He is is the missionary of Mm -hmm. this book. Mm -hmm. Um, And while Jonah was actually the first prophet in the Old Testament that was sent out of his own nation. He right. is the, like a proto mm-hmm. evangelist, really. Yeah. Um, but I think that the more that you understand that the grand narrative of scripture is for God to be with his people again and again and again, mm-hmm. he says, I will make a people for myself. They will be my people and I will be their God. Mm-hmm. And so for us to grow in this understanding of the gospel and his grace and who he is and his character I think something that's really important is recognizing that he does all of this for his people, not just for Jonah. It's because he's building himself a body, a church for himself, a holy nation, a priesthood, right? Um, And I think probably my favorite verse from the entire passage was verse 16 that says, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly Mm -hmm. when the the sailors who were pagans came to know the Lord because they recognized, okay, this God who the seas and the, you know, this, all of these waves worship him. Um, This is a God worthy of of worship and praise. And so God is not just trying to reach Jonah. He's reaching the nations. Um, And so something that as I've, you know, had the opportunities to go on mission trips and go overseas and experience the worship of God in different cultures and contexts, it has broadened my understanding of scripture like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, yeah, you can learn about God's goodness and his love for his people anywhere, but going somewhere that is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and not home for you Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. one of the most incredible and sweet ways. It's like a pressure cooker um, to watch somebody from a different language and tongue worship God in their language and tongue Mm -hmm. and know that Yahweh is understanding their cries and what they're, what they're saying is, is amazing. Um, And so I think that this, this book is always a challenge to me of like, man, if the the Lord was to call me wherever, would would I go Mm -hmm. um, to the ends of the earth, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I, I would love to read from Psalm 65 because I think that there's a there's a connection here with the men who feared the Lord because of what they witnessed in mm. the Lord's creation. It says, By his strength he established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas and the roaring of the waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe of your signs. And so all that the Lord does is for his people from 
all nations, tribes, and tongues to be able to come together and worship under one God, yeah. in one truth, in one spirit, um, under one salvation, in one baptism, you know? And so I think that when we get really self-focused in our discipleship and it becomes about me finding the perfect X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. the perfect Bible study, the perfect connect group, the mm -hmm. perfect insert whatever, right? Um, sometimes the better question is, man, what giftings has the Lord given me mm -hmm. that I could then go out and be a part of the work of the ministry and serve his people? Mm -hmm. um, and so at this point, I've forgotten what the question was because <laughs> I've rambled on so long. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, uh, but anyways, those are my thoughts. No, and I would, yeah. you know, one of the things we'll look at in chapter three that's a good reminder to kind of piggyback uh, on, on what we're just talking about is Jonah's, uh, because if we're in the year of one, mm -hmm. and we're already hearing some great stories, but sharing your faith with somebody else is you know, probably the most intimidating thing for most mm -hmm. believers, particularly Western believers, right. that, you know, it's uh, kind of frowned upon uh, in a sense of like, hey, you do all you want to, but it's frowned upon in, in more Western civilization. But if you go to other places, number one, it's not frowned upon sometime, even though they've either, some of them never even heard of Jesus. But the cool thing in here, I mean, Jonah preaches arguably the lamest <laughs> sermon in the whole Bible. Yeah. I mean, it's, ter it's a yeah, terrible, it's terrible sermon. I mean, it's basically 40 days and Jonah's going to be overthrown. Yeah. That's, a, that's about it. I mean, it's basically, almost like you can hear it mumbling. Is, it, yeah, yeah, and that's all. Yeah. But it, it's a reminder. It is. It's not the. It's not the messenger. It's the message, and then who is empowering the message. Mm -hmm. In other words, God's the one that does the saving. Nobody would put that on a. Here's a. Here's how to share your faith, and yeah. you know this is not four steps to peace with God or any of this stuff. <laughs> it's a. But then God does what's amazing, and obviously you're going to see that God's already was already doing something in Nineveh, prepping them. So when a prophet does come up, and basically preaches this lame sermon uh, mm. or on our accounts and yeah. and God does an amazing work. And so mm -hmm. it goes back to God's the one that does the saving. Yeah. We're right. just to be a mouthpiece. And I, there's tons of stories, particularly overseas. You know, here we think yeah. we try to got to be super slick. Um, I mean, one quick like mission story way back in the day, I went with a basketball team over to Africa and we did, we usually spoke to a translator in this real quick story. You know, like this one time we were at these stations where you teach, you teach four different basketball skills. You teach like shooting, defense, passing, da, da, da. and then one of them was the, the gospel uh, deal. So these, these kids would go to all these ones and, mm -hmm. and we had them trying to think of the verse, but I almost still remember it in their language. It's like Mia. Oh, I can't believe I'm choking on that. Uh, <laughs> I had it back then. I had it in my yeah. mind a second ago. We had it on the back of the shirts, but it was, uh, if you confess with the Lord Jesus, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Right. So we had that, and I got part of it here. But we basically, I would, I would say that, and the translator would add a little commentary, you know, and people are coming to Christ left and right. Yeah. So what it was an example was, because they'd never heard it. They'd heard of, in that day, they'd heard of, They'd heard of Larry Bird and they'd heard of Magic Johnson. They never heard of Jesus. And mm -hmm. so you just do a very simple gospel presentation mm -hmm. and God does the saving. Yeah. And so we get spoiled, I think, over here because in a good way, our culture has mm -hmm. been, mm -hmm. you know, we still kind of have some remnants of Christianity or Christendom or whatever you want to call yeah. it. But, man, you go over to that, that case that was uh, Madagascar, Africa, where mm -hmm. the gospel had not even hardly ever been and it was mm -hmm. brand new. And it's a reminder, but to Sierra's point too, if you even, if, even if you just go out on the limb and share the gospel, even if they – I mean, it's amazing what it does for the believer besides obviously what it does to the other person. But just getting out there, you get a little nervous. You see your faith kind of in action. And then if God allows you to see somebody come to Christ, you're, I mean, you're literally, you are never, ever, ever the same. It, mm -hmm. has, a, it has a multiplying effect like nothing else yeah. for a church as well. I mean, for a yeah. church, I mean, if you get them pointed outward toward people, 
you're not whining about, you know, hey, no. the grape juice in the Lord's Supper was a little bit stale, <laughs> or what about gluten-free crackers or yeah. whatever? You don't hear any of that stuff yeah. if you're if you're out there. You're thinking yeah. about, man, how do we get Bibles into the high school? How do we? Mm. Um, anyway, it changes it. Yeah, that yeah. changes everything. <clears throat> man, so much encouragement in that conversation. Thank you both. Um, yeah, thank you. Great wisdom there. Uh, a lot of stuff just in Jonah chapter one. So we're coming back next Sunday, this Sunday, um, with Jonah chapter two, week two. I want to encourage everybody, if they haven't already, we've got some left, but they go quick. So make sure you pick up a Jonah journal. This thing, I mean, you can dive in it throughout the week too and and start to mine some of those verses and Mm. learn from the Lord yourself in some of those areas. So uh, it's going to be another great week. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hearing another loaded chapter um, as as we gear up in this series. Thank you guys both. Um, if you're listening and watching, I know you've been encouraged and challenged, and I want to challenge you to, to find those areas to surrender to the Lord, and we will see you soon. As always, you are loved and sent.